Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. We're going to look at a passage of scripture, which of course is most appropriate on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Uh, We'll begin in verse 1. We'll read um, most of the first 21 verses and then the part of the the middle of the passage. I'll skip a few places just for the sake of time. But you can follow along on the screen, beginning in Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, kind of like us right now. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, or separate flames, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. It's interesting, as of fire. So it wasn't fire, but it was like fire. Talking about his manifest presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of them, uh, each of us in his own native language? List the nations here, skip down to verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and said they are filled with new wine. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Peter keeps preaching his message and he gets to the, the punchline. Verse 36 Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God, God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I want to talk today about a fresh infilling. A fresh infilling. There's something I've just felt that God wants to do today that's greater than my sermon, uh, greater than the songs that we're singing, something of a fresh, new infilling of his spirit upon us. Very significant for us coming out of 10 days of consecration and prayer and fasting. And so as we're going through the word, I, I want us to I want to challenge you to really embrace this sense of God is doing something fresh, something fresh in the earth, but there's something new, something fresh he wants to bring. Uh, and, and the answer to really everything that we need is just being filled with the spirit. So, Father, we, we welcome you and thank you that you've been here. You've been speaking. You've been revealing yourself. And, Father, I just have this sense that I could just stand up here and be monotone and read verses and you're going to just show up. Lord, you're going you're gonna to reveal yourself. You're, you're going to cause faith to be birthed in our hearts. Lord, this is not about me. It's not about a sermon. This is about something that you want to do amongst us. So, Lord, have your way. Lord, that's somebody said before, Lord, the cry of our hearts is less of us, more of you. Lord, we want you, and we want to just surrender fully. Come and indwell us as your people, your temple. Come and empower us in Jesus' name. Speak. And, Lord, I'm asking today that you'd bring a fresh and filling upon us as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, um, I grew up in my primary school years with my parents taking me to this word of faith, charismatic Pentecostal church. We called it a full gospel church, the full gospel uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, it's amazing, you know, that I, you know, I was kind of like the classic example of the person that can be in the presence of God, but walk out completely unchanged. You know, I, I was not a stranger to his presence, but I was a stranger to him relationally. And I was a stranger to the transforming and empowering presence of God. I um, got into high school and um, we had a bit of a falling away from church or God as a family. Uh, my mom stayed pretty faithful, but my dad went a bit off the rails and wasn't long before my parents were divorced. And there's this downward spiral in my own life. But something began to happen around the age of 20. All these guys just started speaking to me and revealing himself to me. And I was having dreams at night. Uh, my grandmother was cursing my weed plants growing in the closet. Like all of these crazy things started happening. Some of you haven't heard the story. and We'll come back to that another time. I don't have time for that one today. But God was moving, and he was speaking to me and reminding me of the God whom I had known from a distance. And one Sunday morning, the last Sunday of November 1995, I surrendered my heart to Jesus. I was born again, radically changed. And I went this that next week into my accounting class where my, my mate, 
who was a Christian sat next to me and he had been talking about his relationship with God through the whole semester. And I'm sure that was a significant part of me coming back to Christ. But he, I came in and I began to speak to him about what was going, uh, what God was doing in my life. And he said, oh, well, you need to get connected with the church. But what was crazy, he didn't invite me to my church because he was going to this church. He was filled with the spirit, but he, uh, he was going to a church with his parents where they didn't teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he actually invited me to his friend's church. He was like, you should go to my mate's church. I think you'll love, love that church. And so I showed up there this next Sunday and miraculously, one of my mates who I hadn't seen for months, I ran into him on campus that week. And uh, he was like, hey, I'm just getting my life with, right with God. And I was like, dude, that's crazy, me too. And he was like, yeah, I'm starting to go to this great church. And it was the very same church that I was going to go to. And just this miraculous, just, just move of God in my life. And, and, but I showed up at this church and I just remember that familiar presence, but it was different this time because I knew him. I had a relationship with him. My heart was surrendered to him and he was speaking deep into my heart. And I was, it was a different type of encounter. And after the, uh, the church service, I'm standing in the back and one of the pastors comes up to me and uh, he introduces himself. I'm sharing a bit about what God's doing in my life. And he says, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? I would love just to pray that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was like, yeah, that'd be fine. It's great. So he just lays his hands right here on my chest. And I remember it was here because I could feel as he was laying his hand on my chest, I could feel my heart racing and I could feel the presence of God coming upon me. And I could feel something just bubbling up. And I just started speaking in tongues and just this waves of refreshing and cleansing. And it was like things were just leaving me uh, that, that had been a part of my life and uh, addictions. And they, it was just like the Holy Spirit was coming so powerfully upon me. There was no room for anything else. Just cleansing me. That's what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And one of the most important takeaways take for us from this passage of scripture that we just read is that the father stands ready to pour out his spirit upon anyone who will surrender to Jesus. You know, it was amazing. I could be in the presence of God and I could feel something and I could, could, could have some measure of, of awareness of him that kept me out of a lot of trouble in the younger years, but it was only when I was surrendered to Jesus that I could be filled, uh, baptized in his spirit. I love this part of this passage where he says that, he, he says, if you will just turn to Jesus, if you will repent and be baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, it's for your children and for all who are far off. That's us. You know, he was talking about us right here in Acts 2. As many as the Lord our God will call. Peter was saying, well, everything that you've just witnessed, all this what seeming chaos that's been breaking out, this right here, the Father desires to immerse everybody moving forward in his Holy Spirit. One chapter earlier in, in Acts, 
we can see Jesus is building this expectation in his disciples. He said that I'm going to send you out. I'm going to, you're going to preach the gospel in all the world. But he says, wait. Acts 1-4, wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you've heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He begins to build this expectation of the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? Lots of promises throughout the Old Testament, but the greatest promise was the coming Holy Spirit. Peter speaks of this promise uh, in Acts 2 uh, when he, he, he uh, quotes the prophet Joel. But there were other places in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, all speaking of the greatest promise that could ever come from God, that I will come and indwell you. Back in those days, there was only, there was, that didn't happen very often, but that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that just normal people like you and I would prophesy, would have dreams and visions. It wouldn't be the king or the priest or the special person. Everyone who calls upon his name could be baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, wait for this promise. And, and the disciples are like, oh, does, is that when you're going to uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? Is, this, is that the promise you're, you're talking about? Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority redirects to what the actual promise was see they were all caught up with being delivered from their oppressive roman uh the the, the roman empire jesus said, no 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 they, I, and i know that's that's a part of the promise and that's going to come but what you should be concerned about right now is receiving power when the holy spirit comes upon you then you will be my witnesses jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth what you really need. See, we tend to come to Jesus with all of these other things that we feel like we need in our life, all the immediate pressing things. And Jesus is saying, really, all you need is the promise of the Father. If you can just be baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit, surrender fully to me. Just watch what I begin to do through your life. This, of course, shouldn't have been a surprise to them. Jesus had already been talking about the Father giving the Holy Spirit. We see in Luke eleven thirteen. Where Jesus says, you know, if you if you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Holy will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Hey, not a bad idea right now. Maybe just start to talk to the Father. He's better than any human earthly father. The best father that you could ever have the one you wish you could have had. Or my kids could just think about me. That's fine. But the, what? think about a good father. Pales in comparison to the love of the father. And so just ask, Father, today I want a fresh and filling. You said, Jesus, all I got to do is ask the father. So, Father, come today. Come. Answer all the other prayers just by filling me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Another thing that's evident in this passage we looked at, Acts 2, Pentecost marked the convergence of God's sovereign timing with the spiritual hunger of his people. 
It was no surprise that God chose the day of Pentecost to pour out his spirit. This was a annual Jewish holiday in the calendar. It came up every year, came up at the same time, 50 days after Passover. Uh, or for us, it's 49 days, seven weeks after Easter that we celebrate Pentecost. It was a, a, a holiday to celebrate the an ingathering of the harvest. And so we shouldn't be surprised that God chose to birth the church, bring in the first uh, harvest of the church, 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. But I want to submit to us that we are in the midst of another season of God's sovereign timing. Do you sense that? We've come out of a, a, a crazy couple of years, and we look around at the world, and we can see that there is this growing sense of darkness. And yet I hear a challenge from the Lord not to give up on the, the spiritual battle because I, I, I'm hearing reports and, and we've experienced even in Melbourne uh, what begins what seems to be really the, the, the first reigns of revival is God is coming to refresh his church, coming to stir up his people, coming to cleanse his people as they consecrate themselves, coming to bring a, a greater weightiness of his glory and his presence. Things are different now than they were even a couple of years ago. We've been through a difficult season, uh, and, and yet God is, is, is pouring out his spirit in a greater measure. And I don't believe, I believe we're only just beginning to see the beginning. It's a moment in history, a moment in time uh, that God loves amidst the, the growing darkness to cause his light to shine through his church. But man, we need the Holy Ghost. We need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.14 says that they were all together praying in this upper room with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. It wasn't just a sovereign timing, but there was a hunger from God's people that drew something from God. I hear people say that when they come into our gatherings that they can feel and sense something of God's presence. God has added Martin and Raquel to us here recently, and, and they've said, I, I'm, I'm here. It's a 40-some-odd-minute drive, but I just sense God's calling me to be here. There's a presence of God. There's, there's something God's calling me to be a part of here. This is a part of my future and my destiny. What is that? It's the, it's, it's the hunger of God's people provoking something from God. There's a weightiness of God's presence. There's something that God's doing amongst us. And as our hunger grows, there's an even greater weight of his presence that falls upon us. And so coming out of this season of consecration, just as they were in a bit of a season of consecration, Jesus had ascended to heaven, consecrating themselves in the upper room, beginning to wonder, what is this going to look like? What's the well, maybe it's going to be the day of Pentecost. What is Jesus talking about? The promise of the Father, the baptized in the Holy Spirit. He talked about being baptized with fire as well. What could this mean? The expectation was growing. The hunger 
was growing. The anticipation was growing. And then suddenly, 9 a.m. in the morning. How do we know that? The It was the third hour of the day, the first hour of the day, 6 a.m., uh, 9 a.m., third hour of the day. Something unusual begins to happen. Their, their prayer and their worship begins to be accompanied by this, this sound of a violent rushing wind. There were something that seemed like flames of fire on people's head. There, there were th these, these unusual uh, manifestations bubbling up in, in tongues, in this spiritual language. And it says they were all filled, all filled, all of them, all of them filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke. The Spirit gave them utterance. That's an important point to make. Because sometimes I see people just have hands laid on them and be almost very passive in their approach. Well, all right, God. You want to baptize me in the Holy Spirit? If this is really real, then you're going to, you know, I, I'm going to let you. I'm surrendering to you, God. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Greek word for receive, it may seem a little bit passive in our language. It's actually a Greek word. Uh, this is the down home country, Southern American pronunciation, lambano. That's the Greek word, lambano. I'm sure there's a more appropriate Greek pronunciation. But the Greek word is lambano. You will receive. It's this word that means to almost violently, aggressively lay hold of and seize. It's, it's, it's not passive it's, uh, at all. It's I'm laying hold of something. I'm hungry for something. I'm, I'm yearning. This is this is a thirsty heart. This is a hungry soul. I need you, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me afresh. It's like this spirit of faith that lays hold, that meets the divine sovereign timing of God. Met with our hunger. And so in that moment, they spoke in tongues. And as even today, as hands are laid upon you, if you've never spoken in tongues before, you got to speak. You got it. You, you, you'll feel for me. It was, I felt this something like I just had this prayer. I had to pray and I didn't have words. And I just began to speak in tongues. It just bubbled up, but I began to speak. I didn't resist. Don't, don't resist through passivity. Just begin to go with what the Holy spirit is doing. They spoke as the Holy spirit gave utterance. You're not going to make anything. Don't, don't make up any words. It'll be the Holy spirit giving you utterance, but you open up your mouth and speak. Tongues is a heavenly prayer language that God wants to give to every single believer. Do you know the devil is afraid of your tongues? There's something so powerful when we just start to speak in tongues. Sometimes I'll just pace my floor. Sometimes I'll just put a timer on. I'll be like, I'm going to speak in tongues for the next 10 minutes. And I'll just speak in tongues. I'll pace the floor, just speaking in tongues. Scripture says that I am speaking mysteries to God. It's like the Holy Spirit praying through me. These groanings too deep for words. I get to partner with the Holy Spirit and participate with him in this, this heavenly, mysterious prayer language. I was talking to one of my, um, one of my uh, pastor buddies yesterday, 
uh, at Steve's 50th birthday party. Come on, Steve, turned 50 yesterday. No, Wednesday last week. How good is it to have Steve and Allie with us, by the way? Love these guys so much. Going to be leaving us soon. But uh, hey, we got Steve preaching in two weeks time, I believe it is. And then right after that, you guys move. So um, we're going to miss you. But anyway, sorry for that pause on my message. Steve's birthday party yesterday, talking to one of my pastor friends, and he said that uh, the church building that they've been meeting, and they planted about the same time we did, the church building they've been meeting in, there has been a group of Muslims that have been coming in and praying there every day and trying to, they want to turn it into a bit of a mosque, this, this community center. And so he walks in there, and on a Sunday morning, he said he could just feel this demonic presence. And so he didn't know what to do except just start speaking in tongues. So he's just starts speaking. And he said, I literally heard a shriek. It was not human. Something left that room just through his speaking in tongues. The devil hates your tongues. It's like nails on the chalkboard to demonic spirits. And so if you're ever feeling any kind of presence, man, this is why we need weapons of divinely powerful warfare because we're not going up against other people. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. And this is, this, is where, this is where just being filled with the Holy Spirit puts us on this plane of, and level of not being, not, it's not like we're just, there was no battle for him. He just started speaking in tongues and there was a shriek and the spirit left and they had their church meeting and the presence of God came and it was powerful. Paul said, I want all of you to speak in tongues. It's God's will for every single one of us to have this heavenly prayer language. Another thing we see in Acts 2, the purpose of Pentecost was a supernatural power to boldly testify of Jesus. A supernatural power. I love how Peter stands up I love that it was Peter. Says, hey, amongst all the mockery, all the mockers, all the haters, everyone making fun of them, they're just drunk, they've been drinking too much wine. Peter stands up and says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But what amazes me is that this is the same Peter who just about two months earlier, nearly, was denying Jesus to a servant girl. So we've got weak, timid, fearful Peter, afraid for his life, goes and stands before the very people who crucified Jesus, who could have crucified him on the spot, and is boldly testifying of who Jesus is. How did that happen? He just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was my experience. I, I showed up at this church. I just wanted to sit in the back. I was happy to write my tithe check. I was happy to show up each week. Uh, I certainly didn't want to be on the mic prophesying like all those other people. I certainly, I might, you know, kind of quietly share my faith with some others, but don't ask me to, don't, don't push me out of my comfort zone, God. But then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all these things started happening 
where I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm sitting with my friends, and next thing I know, I'm preaching the gospel to them. My friends at church call me up and say, hey, our campus ministry, we're going to do a concert of prayer. We're going to put a big PA system right in the middle of the university campus. We're going to sing and worship Jesus out in front of everyone, and we're going to just pray our prayers to God right there. Will, will you pray one of the prayers on the microphone? What are you going to do? I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing I found was there was still in the flesh these moments of fear, but the boldness and the courage that God brings through the power of the Holy Spirit is not in absence of fear. Do not wait until you feel fear leave because that ain't going to happen until after you begin to step out and do it afraid. Just do it afraid. Happened this last week. I'm I'm, I'm in the sauna, right? I got my waterproof Bible, which I told you about. And my same friend, Brandon, comes back in. And I'm reading the Bible, having a great time with the Lord. And he's like, every time he walks into the sauna, he's like, what you reading this time? I'm like, come on, now we're talking. And I, to be honest, I actually didn't really, I was enjoying my time with the Lord. And uh, I don't remember, I just started preaching to him about what I was uh, I was reading and I was talking about how this applies to this woman in our church who's really going through a battle. And I don't even remember what I said, but man, the Holy Spirit just takes over. Was I was, was it a little bit kind of awkward at first? Was the heart racing? Heck yeah, the heart was racing a little bit. I still have those moments. Do not wait for fear to leave. Just get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take over. I remember I hadn't been saved for very long and I'm, well, I'm, I'm at this cafe hanging out with my friends we come out of the cafe and I walk, there's this outdoor kind of uh, deck where there's people sitting enjoying their coffees and I'm walking out and the Holy Spirit says, preach to those people, tell them your testimony. And I'll, next thing I know, I'm just coming back and I'm like preaching to these people outside, open air, how rude is that at a cafe? And next thing I'm like, all right, see you later. You know, it, we, there was no altar call or anything, but I just... These moments, the Holy Spirit taking control. We just surrender to him and just let him use us. Don't wait for the fear to go. Do it afraid. The greatest mark of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not prophecy. It's not any other gifts of the spirit. It's a boldness and an authority to tell other people what Jesus has done in your life. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point. Final thing we see in this passage, the result of Pentecost was the expansion of God's kingdom. Church begins spreading. So many testimonies of boldness we can look at in the Peter and the other followers of Jesus yanking a guy up who was lame. Got to have some boldness to do that, don't you? Peter, John being arrested, told not to talk about Jesus. Well, all right, whatever, you let us go, but we have to keep talking about what we've seen and heard. Getting arrested again, almost dying. Peter getting supernaturally rescued in the night by an angel. Uh, Stephen being uh, martyred, boldly standing up, just declaring the truth, and they start throwing rocks at his head. And he just looks up, sees Jesus standing, 
Jesus stands. You know, Jesus is seated on his throne, but he looked up and saw Jesus standing. And when, when, when Jesus sees a spirit-filled believer full of boldness, it brings him to his feet. He loves that. Stephen says, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. But it's been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And from that moment of Stephen's stoning and his murder, the church begins to scatter. Not in fear, but in uh, proclamation of the gospel. And so we see all these stories from of kingdom expansion beginning in spirit-filled believers. You've got Philip, who's preaching to this Ethiopian guy who gets saved and then uh, baptized in water. And then, then there were some Samaritans who got saved. And in fact, this is a good one to, to look at. We'll look at this passage because Philip leads these Samaritans to the Lord and then Jay, uh, Peter and John go to <clears throat> lay hands on them to get them filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them. Why? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is how important Holy Spirit baptism was to the early leaders of the church. It's not an option to not have this. This is crucial. And then what happened? They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know exactly what happened here, but we know that Simon saw something. He saw the Spirit was given. We put this together with other passages. He most likely saw them speaking in tongues. But this is why we, why we lay hands upon one another. And this is why we'll have an opportunity to lay hands upon you today. Because in the laying on of hands, there is a transfer of Holy Spirit power. Why? I don't know. Just the way God made it to be. And so we'll lay hands on you today. And you will receive a, tra a, a, a transfer of Holy Spirit power. So many more stories we could look at throughout the book of Acts. There's the one in Acts chapter 10. You can bring up the verse, but we won't look too closely at it. But Peter ends up at Cornelius's house. Peter has a vision. Cornelius has a vision. They connect through these. They didn't know each other. Peter ends up at his house. How crazy is that? That's amazing. Imagine you have a vision and somebody else has a vision and you end up inside their house preaching the gospel to him. That's crazy. And so here he is at Cornelius's house. Cornelius was a Gentile, not just a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion. You could not paint the picture of someone who would be more hated by a Jew than a Roman uh, centurion, a leader in the Roman army. They were the epitome of the enemy. But this guy, Cornelius, godly man, God-fearing, uh, he prayed a lot. He gave money to the poor. And here they are. Peter ends up in his house preaching the gospel to them. And they probably didn't think that the Gentiles could actually get saved because the Holy Spirit just interrupts the message. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just falls. And the believers from among the circumcised, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. What? The Gentiles even get in on the Holy Spirit? How did they know that? For they were hearing them 
speaking in tongues and extolling God. Peter's like, well, how can we prevent them from being water baptized? They must be born again. Somehow the Gentiles get in on this too. And so what's going to happen to you when you're baptized today? Well, the biblical experience is you speak in tongues. You maybe even just start to praise God in a way like you never had before. There's one more in Acts chapter 19. Again, this is Paul comes across some believers in Ephesus and stumbles upon them. They hadn't yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He lays his hands upon them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And what happens? At the end of the verse, they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. What's going to happen when hands are laid upon you today? Maybe just begin to, to, to declare that. Father, I thank you today that when hands are laid upon me, the Holy Spirit is going to rush upon me. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. He's going to empower me to be a witness. Let that faith just begin to build. Lord, today, hands are going to be laid upon me. I'm going to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we should have the worship team come back up. Father, thank you that you are here today to give this good gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, I've asked you previously, thank you that you are going to pour out your Spirit upon me in greater measure than I've ever experienced you before. Maybe if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe you just begin to confess something like that. Father, thank you. Hands are about to be laid upon me. I've encountered you before. You've baptized me in your spirit before, but you're going to baptize me afresh today. I'm going to receive a greater measure of power today. I'm going to have an encounter with you today through the laying on of hands, but I'm going to be baptized, immersed afresh in your spirit, and I'm going to leave here changed, filled with more power than I've ever experienced before in my life. Come on, let that spirit of faith just begin to stir up. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are here to reveal yourself. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. 
Thank you for listening.